Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Today's message is by Adrian Moore. Let's pray, shall we? Yeah? Father God, may we have ears to hear your word and active minds to receive the inspiration of your Holy Spirit for each and every one of us here today. And may the words that I say be guided by you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Words, hey? They have power. There's many scriptures about it. But today I'm just going to talk about a few. Sometimes when I preached in my previous church, other preachers besides myself would often start by saying a verse from Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to your sight, O Lord, my strength, my rock, and my redeemer. But that's not just for when we preach. That's for every single conversation that we have. Our heart to be engaged, not just our mind and our voice. Words give invitations. How we talk, how we respond to God and to each other. But it's not only words, though. Now, for all of us here today, and for each of us, welcome. And it's great to see you. And it's great to hear J247 slightly upstairs. But for those who don't know me, hello. I'm Adrian, and it's great to see you. I'm part of this family, this community. Hi, John. But today, I want to speak to you about welcome. How we engage with others. Our roles, both perceived and actual, within the church, yes, as well. We often talk about our willingness to engage with people in Scarborough and beyond. But it's about within the church as well. And our willingness to say yes and be prepared to pick some things up. And maybe, if God intends, to be prepared to put some things down if he asks as and when and if. So thank you for being here. But why are you here? And what do you do during the rest of the week? How do we feel when we go to a new place? Is how we're welcomed how we would choose to be welcomed? When we walk in anywhere, how do we welcome other people? And if we walk in somewhere new, how do we react to people welcoming us? And how do we actually say hello? Whether we're part of this family or whether we're visiting. Perceptions and greetings. So we can go somewhere with an expectation of what we expect to see and hear but we can be frozen out. And sometimes that's by the people receiving us, but also it's sometimes by how our heart and mind are engaged. We can feel threatened, 
even coming into a church. Will we be accepted? Oh. Now that video was shot in a cinema. The people arriving were expectant of the movie they were going to see. They presumed to know what it was that they were going to see and they presumed there'd be people like them. But they were the only two. All the other people knew one another. They were different. Now some, as you saw, chose to walk away. And just to let you know, Joanne and David will be walking away soon. But that's because they've got another church service to go to because they're going to be godparents. So now not belonging to the same group of people can cause a barrier. But why? Why when we have a God of relationship is that type of barrier? Now what they saw when they went in was different. Now we can feel like that, whether or not we're a visitor here for the first time, or wherever we go, we can feel like that. Or whether we're a long-time member here or attendee. We come to church. Many of us, putting my hand up, with baggage, sometimes weighed down, sometimes in our despair, because how we are on the inside might not be how we are on the outside when other people are looking. Or we might actually wear our heart on our sleeve so people know how we're feeling. But we can arrive expectant whether or not we're here for the very first time or for the thousandth time. We can be in different levels of trepidation however often we go anywhere. So however we come, are we prepared to lay down our cross, our cares and anxieties and worry, and carry somebody else's for Christ? Are we prepared to serve others when asked? Or do we say, not today, thank you, um, it's not my turn, or um, let someone else do it? Now, during this time of vacations and holiday, these talks can be given by several people. Sometimes preachers can be independent of one another. And that's great, because God's in each of them, and all being well, we're listening to that. But when I was preparing for this one, for this talk, I just felt that it was about linking it to some others. So the last couple of Sundays, we've heard from Gemma. And first she advised us that we don't need to wait. We can do it now and for anyone who's willing. Well, what are we going to do? Well, Gemma instructed us that God wants us to go with responsible answers to others. Not convenient ones that we might find comfortable in our own zone. But to take time to do so and not to put a stumbling block in someone else's hand. Now, to put good words into people, not blocks and barriers, I would add that at such times, such blocks and barriers can cause hurt, rejection, even despair with people. 
And it can lead to a desire and a decision not to return to the community, not to go back into that church where I went the first time because people either didn't welcome me or gushed over me so much I didn't know what to do. But, or I walked in saying hello to people, but no one spoke hello to me. Now you see, it can lead to isolation. And if, it's, if, a, if a person's first encounter with a Christian, or first coming into this church, or whether or not we're used to seeing some of the people in this church, if an encounter can lead to a feeling of isolation on a Sunday morning or Thursday night or even during the week, it can lead to a conceivable decision that this isn't a place where God is love and that people can love him. Now I think we are a loving community and church and family here who God loves and love us, loves others as a result. We know that during the, this conference in May, two church leaders, not from Scarborough, came on the point of giving up their ministry. That this was the last thing they were going to go to and then they were going to go back to their place where they were working for God and lay it down because they had it. But because of what happened here with God and with the people here, they went out restored and ready and engaged again. But surely that's how we should be each time we come into this building, not just on a Thursday evening or a Sunday. Now Proverbs 15 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Now a more modern translation says, respond gently when you are confronted and you'll diffuse the rage of another. Responding with sharp, cutting words will only make it worse. Don't you know that by being angry, you can ruin the testimony of even the wisest of men? Now, truly, the majority of the people that come into this building during the week, and especially those who come on Sundays or Thursday evenings, know who we are and what to expect, probably, but not definitely. Most people entering do not arrive in a state of wrath, rage, or wanting to confront someone, which is probably good. But however, if any of us respond in that stumbling block way that Gemma was talking, even by saying no when someone asks us to do something, that can have the result of stirring up a rejection or a hurt by any person who hears and sees it, not just the one who it was directed to. It can indeed, as the Passion Translation said of Proverbs 15, ruin the testimony of any of us, or even all of us, in this church. And I'm pretty confident that that's not what any of us want to happen. Now the Passion Translation of the Apostle Paul's letter to the early Christian church in Ephesus says... And never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth. But instead, let your words be beautiful gifts that encourage others. 
do this by speaking words of grace to them. Hang on a minute. What about those times when we may need to give, let alone receive, correction for something that we may have done wrong? How can correction be beautiful gifts to encourage others? But there are times when in grace and with God's grace, given and received, we have our own part to play in it. We may each need to be corrected. Modern English translates Timothy's second letter as all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training it in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And a contemporary version says every part of scripture is God-breathed and useful in one way or another, showing us truth, Exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live in God's way. Through the word, we are put together and shaped up for the tasks that God has for us. Now, when I asked earlier, why are you here? Did any of you think, I'm here to get shaped up by God for the tasks he has for me? Rhetorical question. Again, even... When we see it in correction, God's word puts us together and thoroughly equips, shapes us for the tasks that God has in store for us. Now, we are in God's word, but we've got to live it out when we speak to people, both in here and outside. Gemma said, our life is not our own. We are to be used how God sees fit. He's already ordained and destined it. We have to allow him to do that. And the challenge she set us at the beginning of last week was that we need to win for the lamb, Jesus as the sacrificial lamb, to win for the lamb the reward of his suffering. To win for Jesus the reward of his torture and his crucifixion for each of us. So we need what we do to count every time we talk to someone, every time we speak to anyone, here and outside. Gemma talked from Matthew chapter 9, the harvest is plentiful. But for us to be responsible for whose we are and to be sacrificial, to give up something that is of value, Gemma said. Now she posed the question, Are we harvesting or are we loitering? Are we laborers? And I add, are we laborers who are tired or are we laborers who are energized? What energizes us to do the work that is ordained and destined for us? How do we get energized? Sunday mornings, And Thursday nights are great in doing that. Worship, word, and prayer. It was tremendous to hear from so many people this morning coming and giving God's word and God's vision and embraces, really, for each of us. But all the prayer in this building, past, present, and future, is another part of us living and giving 
receiving and being energised. Praying for people at the end of this service, over at the cross banner there. The prayer room upstairs. The prayers held here at all times. All the worship here. All of this can energise when we hear receive and give it right. The glory is God's and it's his due. It's his reward. But what else? And where else? Jesus was directive. He said, come, follow me. And go and do likewise. What should be within us is what he's created it to be. What we hear, receive, dwell on and in. Ephesians 4 talks not only about the leaders of a church. It talks about all, the body of Christ, the work of ministry. Ministry isn't just if you're ordained and you're a pastor. Ministry is for the body of Christ, each and every one person here. Harvesting, talking to people, demonstrating the gospel. Each member has been equipped in their own way to be all part of the ministry. Now we were and all are commissioned to go into the world, go and do likewise. The world is in here as well. Sunday mornings, Thursday nights, during the week, the world is in here. The world is us. Not just those who are coming for the first time or coming for a cup of coffee because they're visiting Scarborough. God wants us to relate to people like he relates to us. Relationship, to be involved with them and in, with each other and to demonstrate and do something. He sent his son, the lamb, to restore that relationship into a communion with each other, not just with him. So how do we restore others? How do we energize them? And ourselves. How do you energize yourself? How do you restore yourself? Now, I was privileged this week to be asked to write a reference for someone I've known for nine years. That's the time I've been part of this church family here. Now, I wrote that the person has grown from receiving to receiving and giving and doing it well. Putting his Christian learning into practice. Putting his Christian relationship with God into practice. Last weekend, Denise and I weren't here. We were in Hull. Family weekend, and our son-in-law preached in his church. Now, he said that he now acknowledges his giftings amongst which is a good worship leader and a great singer. But he posed the question to each of us that were there, what he had come to realize over years. Previously, even though he's a great worship leader and a great singer, if someone had come along who was better, Brian said, Truthfully, that he would have been destroyed by that. That's the word he used. 
Not just devastated and rejected, but destroyed. But now he has embraced that because he goes, thanks God. That's tremendous. Not because he's expecting a rest, but because he knows that God has sent someone, if God does, to do that role even better than he does. But he also knows it's because God has something else in store for him, even if Brian doesn't know it yet. Now, Denise, many years ago, when we were at a church in Midland, in the Midlands, where we lived, Denise took that small village Sunday school from three children and over 13 years in this small village Nearly 25 people were, nearly 25 children were attending that Sunday school. It grew. It was lively. It was brilliant. The children were superb. Denise was teaching. They were receiving. They were also giving. But then God said to Denise, stop that now. Lay it down. And Denise said, I don't want to. I don't want to lay it down. You've given me this to do. It's successful. It's growing. It's doing really, really well. And God said, lay it down. And he gave her a vision and a picture that the gifting that she had was like a flamboyant paint pot. And she was using big brush strokes into the children's lives, transforming them. But God said to her in the vision, now just put the lid on the paint pot and put that paint pot back on the shelf again. And if and when it's right, you can take the paint pot down when I tell you to. So she did. And many years later, even after we've come here, not at the time, Denise is now helping with J24-7 again. And it's helping and facilitating the, with the rest of the team into our children's lives for Jesus. For me, I received God's call to what I perceived as ordained ministry some 15 years ago. But I mistakenly and wrongly perceived that part of that call was the role even a title. Now I knew then though that as with the teaching that we have here, our identity needed to be in Christ. My identity needed to be in Christ. But sometimes I, and I'm not going to ask for hands up, but I'm sure I'm not the only one, can get it wrong in our human frailty. Now in the 15 years since that, call. God through others and through my prayer time has gradually revealed where I went wrong. He's been the potter and I really know I've been the clay. But he's shown me the error of my understanding of that part of my call. Now I came to a wiser and deeper appreciation about that. Now, God could have done it like this, but it took years. Not the 15 years, but it took years. But I came to a realization that 
the gifting that I have, the anointing that I have, is actually his still. It isn't mine. It's like Denise's paint pot. He just gives me the paint pot sometimes. And I use it for brush strokes. Now, and I treasure that revelation from him that the gifting that I may have is his. The gifting that each of us has as part of the body of Christ is his. Now, just how much that I had changed was revealed to me recently when the group that's organizing August met and decided how to organize the actual weekend away. Who would do what? Who could do this? Who could do that? And be responsible for this and whatever. And it came to me, apparently, discussing what could Adrian do during August. And the decision was, don't give Adrian a role. Don't give him a title. Just let Adrian be Adrian. Because then he's doing God's work, and that's, that's great. And that was tremendous for me to realize that that is now who I am in God. Now, I'm not putting myself in a shining light, far from it. But God transforms each and every one of us, even when we get it wrong. He stands by the side of us with his arm around us. He might mold us and fire us in a furnace with, as a clay pot. But he's there with us and he sends other people to talk to us. Like I said, people talk to me. We can talk to other people. And that talk can just be a welcome and a hello. So what identity do each of you have? And do we have as a body? So let's be a welcoming, more expectant church. Jesus said and calls each of us to love our neighbor. Well, who is our neighbor? Is it the person who lives next door to us in the street? Is it the person who is sitting next to us at workplace or whatever? Or is it the very person who is sitting next to you now or in front of you or behind you who you may or may not know the name of, who you may have seen for the last three years but never had a conversation with, or you may have actually seen for the very first time today? Who is our neighbor in this building? Jesus calls us to be ready to help one another, to respond to what each of us is asked, to embrace and, like I may be doing today, to challenge each of us. In the body of Christ, we each have our own part. But those parts form a whole together. It's what it says in Ephesians. It has to form a complete whole body. So each of us has the part. But it may not be the part that we're used to sometimes, or the part that we think we're supposed to have. Let God tell you which part you're supposed to do and when. So do we receive from God and others? Yes, we do, and we have to. But we also, he calls us to go and do likewise. He gave. So he calls us to give inside this building as well as outside, to win for the Lamb by letting Jesus know how he died for you and how you feel about that. Acknowledging your gifting from him. Because each person here has a gifting that he is his and that he gives. So please, let's be energized, prophetic, yes, with the nights, with the, what's happening this evening. 
harvesters energized for the kingdom of God, not loitering observers on the peripheral, looking in. Let us not ignore the joy and the love that God has for each and every one of us. There's a story of Martha and Mary in the Bible, in Luke chapter 10. Well, Martha got it wrong. Hospitality in those days, like it is now, was a necessity. But Martha just got so obsessed in it, thinking that she had to do it in a certain way, that she became oblivious to what was happening around her. And she saw Mary, her sister, just sitting at Jesus' feet and just listening to him. Martha was beavering away, doing lots of work, far more work than Jesus actually needed. She was oblivious. So she went to Jesus, though, to tell him, to say to Mary, look, you know, rebuke her, get her to help me. And he said, Martha, Martha, I'm not going to do that. Mary's got it right. So sometimes it is about us just resting, but we can rest together, still as part of a group. Me, I'm an introvert, okay? I really like being on my own, really, really like it. But God says, go and talk to people. Go and do this, go and do that. And I just wanted to sit on my own, God. No! You can sit on your own later. So I take solace that Jesus went off and walked on his own for a while because it's the sort of thing I do. But God calls each and every one of us to do things in a certain way, even when it's out of our comfort zone. Encountering with Jesus, we heard with Paul Manwaring at this that it's so important to remember those encounters we have with Jesus, whether it's reading scripture, whether it is just when you are falling on your back with the Holy Spirit, whatever those encounters are, it's important to have them and to acknowledge them because we, we need to be reminded of those encounters. But encountering Jesus is not enough. What matters is how we choose to respond. So what does he want each of us to do now? He knows the burdens that each of us have. What you perceive you have to do, what you perceive you don't have to do. He can carry them with you or even for you. But he knows who he's placed in front of you. Are you going to ignore that? Or are you going to realize that maybe Jesus has put that person in front of you? That neighbor suddenly, who you might not like, like some of those people thought that some bikers were not going to be, you know, I don't want to sit with them. So, how will you respond? I mean, for each of us to be part of Christ's body and ministry here, will we move from being oblivious like Martha was, just focused in doing what we think God wants us to do, but instead be prepared to do something different?
Now, it's easy to get settled and comfortable. Yes. Here in this building, it's easy, though, to do what each of us usually does. But for the church worldwide and for this church to grow, individually and collectively as the church of God in this earth, it begins with a call from Jesus that Matthew wrote for each and every one of us. Now go in my authority and make disciples of all nations that in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now if someone had said to me when I was, you know, a few years ago, Adrian, be an evangelist, I'd have said, no, don't do that. No, I'm not going to do that. No, that's someone else's job. I'm more pastoral. I'm not going to be anything like that. Um, well, what I came to realize is that my part in that person, my part in that process, I might not be a full-blown evangelist, but I can be part of welcoming someone, being a friend to someone, making a friend, and be a part of, or even doing so, bringing that friend to know the love and the relationship of our Father God. So the person I wrote the reference for has grown and developed. He now says, hello, my name is... He now has grown and developed and is a really good guy. And I'm looking at really good guys and women, I'll say, ladies. Each of you here is, because each of you is valued by God to be that good for him and for each other. So will you win for him, Jesus, the Son of God, the reward for his suffering? the reward for his suffering for you, and how will you? So to close today, I'd just like to pray for you. And the prayer's for me as well. Heavenly Father, I thank you that your desire is for each of us to be part of a church family and community of people who are even more willing to say yes, even more willing to acknowledge the gifts and the anointing and the part of the body that you want them to be. I thank you that as each of us opens our ears, hearts and minds to be courageous in how you want each of us to be and to serve as your part of this body. Holy Spirit, reveal to us anything that we need to lay down and anything we need to pick up for your kingdom purposes. For us to be more welcoming and a light shining for you, Jesus, inside as well as outside this building. Amen. Now, if you would like, want, or need a prayer on anything that I've said, or any other area, whether it's for health, whether it's for relationships, whether it's for favor. We have a God who can do everything. So if you would like prayer for anything, please go to the prayer cross banner at the back where people will be privileged to pray for you and with you and to listen to you. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.